Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Coming up, Councillor Kevin Klein on his much-talked-about selfie, Bob Irving from Regina on the Bombers and Riders. Carolyn Klassen from Conexus Counseling Talks D-Day and Aline Chowdhury from the Transit Union on the new safety shields going into Winnipeg buses now. Please rate the podcast, please subscribe to the podcast, and now, the podcast. Joining us now, Charleswood Tuxedo Westwood Councillor Kevin Klein. Good afternoon, Kevin. Uh, good afternoon, Hal. How are you? Good. Thank you for doing this. So I think you were on the line when I, I uh, gave my theory after closer examination of this selfie that you put on, on social media. Were you in a parking lot? What, what matters most here, uh, I think, is, uh, you know... Um, is what the police discovered because I did go to I did have them look into it. So uh, they they said that I uh, I did not break the law. Um, I, I you know they I gave them my car everything and and that's what's important here. I didn't break the law and and I completely understand why people are offended. Um, and that wasn't my intent. So I, I, and I can appreciate people's concern. You know how um, and, and their need to uh, vent online and in other ways. Um, because I think some media did position it as if I was guilty, no matter what, they had already kind of convicted me. And, um, you know, look, you know, I, I spent time in the media and, you know, since I've been at city hall, I've been uh, trying to hold people accountable. And I knew that, uh, this, uh, you know, would turn on me as well. And then, and this latest attack made me realize that, uh, I, I'm actually no different. I should be held publicly accountable as well. Uh, which is why I did call the Winnipeg police and said, look, I, I need you to review this matter. And if I'm uh, guilty, uh, I deserve to be fined. So Winnipeg police at uh, one o'clock held a news conference with members of the media. And uh, we don't have access to that uh, today, unfortunately. So I'm kind of talking to you blind. So police have told you that you did not commit any crime. Right. Yeah. They told me that. And then they uh, provided me uh uh, and I think they provided to uh, media the uh, the actual law. They printed it up, and uh, we went through it. I, as I said, I showed them my car. They went in the car. And it was something that I felt was really important because, again, if I'm going to hold others accountable, I need to be accountable. Right. We're going to talk to Global News reporter Clay Young after the news here at 1.30. He, right. uh, he was at that news conference, and I know uh, Global News reporter Austin Siragusa is also on his way to see you. But I appreciate you coming on here and, and talking to me uh, first. So i got to ask you this, though. Does it frustrate you that this is getting all this attention and other issues much more important, whether you're guilty or not, and I respect the fact that you say you're not, but whether you're guilty or not, um, other things deserve this kind of attention and don't get it yet this does. Yeah, you know how, again, I I, I am happy that uh, the police confirmed I'm not guilty, that I didn't break any law. However, I, I really should have known better, right? And it's a valuable lesson because what I see now is that when I looked at this uh, is um, – it's unfortunate because the bigger story, as you said, was one yesterday. And that's when they asked me these questions when I came out of that meeting. And it was a, uh, a meeting of the Water and Waste uh, Special or Standing Policy Committee. And it's where council members actually voted and denied a resident 
from building a building on their property. And this is after they spent thousands and thousands of dollars adhering to all the requirements that they were given by the city. And then they were actually approved. And then later they got a note saying, no, you're not approved anymore. A different department stopped it. And, you know, we went through this whole process. I, we made them bring stuff. I asked them to bring more evidence. I got more evidence. And it, it, it just it got voted down. And I thought, this is, this is a tragedy. This, this should have been the headline. And I, and I feel terrible that it wasn't the headline because these people are suffering a financial loss. And they don't have the ability to build what they wanted to build. And, and based on emotion, not based on reason. I mean, they should have been able to build that. That should have been the headline. And unfortunately, because of what I did, it wasn't the headline. And I do. I feel terrible about that. Do you think it's over now? Uh, you know, listen, uh, there are people that like me on the radio and people that don't like me on the radio. There are people that like politicians and don't like politicians. There are people that like Kevin Klein, don't like Kevin Klein. It, police have said, or from what you tell me, and we'll confirm that, but police have said no crime committed here, not guilty. Do you think it, it should end now? Because you know it's not. The speculation and the it's going to continue, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a hockey referee. Uh, I'm used to not being right, <laughs> you know, and, and hearing that for a very long time. And people are gonna are gonna say what they want to say. And and again, it's like. I, I knew that coming into office. I knew that when I started bringing things out in the public that people didn't want to br- uh, see brought out, and I started holding people accountable, that it was going to come back on me, and that I had to be ready to live up to a higher standard. And that's why, in this case, even though uh, I didn't break the law, I really should have known better. Um, it's you know I was in the business. I really should have known from that perspective that negative news sells. Um, that's what people want, right? They want that negative news or the, the media does. And, and I should have known better. And, and it really has been a valuable lesson because I'll, I'll never, ever take another photo uh, selfie, ever, ever. Kevin, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. The voice of the Bombers, CGOB's Bob Irving, joins us now to preview the game. Hi, Bob. Hey, Alan, by the way, Doug Brown will be with oh. Ed and I on the pregame show to discuss the game ah. uh, from from Winnipeg, but he's just not here to, to work the broadcast. Thank you for clarifying that. Yes. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I know that happens we don't once leave in a Doug while. Out, you know. Huh? Yeah. We don't want to leave Doug out. No, of course not. No. Yeah. All right, so what are we looking for tonight? We're gonna are we gonna see uh Matt Nichols? Will he start? Well, I just talked to Michael Shea about an hour ago for our pregame show, and he said they haven't quite decided whether he'll start or not. My guess is he will. Uh, he's certainly going to play. Mike has confirmed that. Not a lot he'll play. Mike said, you know, a couple of series, and then we'll see how it goes. If things don't go well, we'll maybe, maybe leave him in a little bit longer so he gets a good feel for things. If things do go well, uh, after a couple of series, we might take him out. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But he'll play a little bit tonight. But they're going to take a longer look at the – Number three and four quarterbacks, the two guys battling for the three spot, Brian Bennett and Sean McGuire. They're going to get the bulk of the playing time tonight. And will Strebler get to play a bit too? Because he wasn't great in that first game. Does that matter or or will they try and give him a chance to maybe look a bit better? It doesn't matter a bit. Right. They know what they have in Mr. Yep. Strebler. I would be surprised if he plays more than a series, if he plays at all tonight. Hmm. They know exactly what this guy brings to the party, Hal. And these second preseason games, often if a, a vet doesn't play, it means one, he's got the team made, 
or he's in trouble. And in Strebler's case, he's got the team made. <laughs> right. Yeah. In fact, coach on uh, Mike O'Shea on your first coaches show back on Monday night, uh, he was really going on and on about what a great quarterback Strebler is and how important he is to the team. Well, sure. They I, they all feel that way over there. Paul Lapolice loves the dimension that he brings. You know, he can uh, run certain packages. He provides a running threat that is just like another running back. No quarterback in the league can do the things Strebler can do running the football. So he's an important part of this. You know, he's he's the number two quarterback, but he's going to play in every game. At least that's our expectation, and that's what we're led to believe. And he will make some – hey, last year he had – uh, 10 touchdown passes, and he scored 11 touchdowns. Now, part of that is because he played the first three games of the year when Nichols was hurt. But he'll be an important man for the Bombers this year. And tonight, I mean, there's a lot of people that are going to be playing really hard and trying to have success because they want to win a job tonight. Tonight will decide a lot of people's future with the team. This is it tonight for probably, I was trying to do the math, Hal. They still have 82 players on their training camp roster and when they declare the final roster on the weekend uh, there'll be when you count practice roster guys and injured guys they'll probably still have around 60 players still with the club but that means upwards of 20 are going to be released so boy it's uh, it's a massive evening for well i would say 30 or 40 guys because half of them are going to be sent home on the weekend I had uh, Derek Taylor on the new voice of the Riders uh, the other day, and and he really even likes the Bombers. I I told him about uh, Doug Brown's comment about maybe the Bombers being the most balanced team in the CFL, and he says, yeah, it's it's hard to argue with that, whereas the Riders have some weak points, or so it would seem. Yeah, no, they do. There are a lot of question marks here in Saskatchewan. The biggest one is around their quarterback, whether or not Zach Kolaris can return to his form, because if he can't, they're in a – in a world of trouble, you'll hear Craig Dickinson, the coach of the Riders, on our pregame show tonight, rave about the job that Wade Miller, Kyle Walters, and Mike O'Shea have done to turn the football around in Winnipeg. You know, three winning seasons in a row, three playoff spots in a row after a number of years where things were in pretty bad shape football-wise with the Bombers. Uh, he, he really admires the job that they've done. So 6 o'clock tonight pregame, 8 o'clock yep. kickoff, and then when do we get going for real? Give us some uh, dates and details. All right. Well, June 15th is the first big one. That's the season opener in B.C. against the revamp with the new coach, Lions. And then the home opener. Then they have a bye. The Bombers have a bye after that season opener, Al, on the 15th. They don't play again until the 27th when they play their home opener against Trevor Harris and the Edmonton Eskimos. And then they go off to Ottawa for a game, come home to host Toronto. Uh, they host Ottawa, then they visit uh, Hamilton, then they visit Toronto, then they host Calgary. Would you like me to go on, Al? <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, have, right. a great, have a great game tonight, Bob. And are you sitting with me at uh, the Raiders-Packers? Well, I'll be in Edmonton because it's the night before the <laughs> Bombers play the Eskimos. Yes. Uh, have you got your ticket, Hal? Well, I was going to get you a $340 <laughs> ticket, and I was going to get myself a $340 ticket. So You know, I think you and I might be surprised at how many people are going to be prepared to pay. Oh, I have... I agree, Bob. I said I told you, and I said even yesterday. I mean, because the prices start at seventy-five and go up. If it's not a sell, I'll be surprised if it's not a sellout. 
Yeah, I, I, there's going to be a big crowd there, and there's yep. there's not a lot of those seventy five dollar tickets. No. most of them are two fifty and mm. upwards. But uh, the feedback I'm getting from Twitter and people I've talked to yep. uh, is that I'm told from inside the bomber office they're getting calls from corporates who want tickets to the game because this is the big time in their minds coming to Winnipeg and. Uh, they don't want to miss it. If you are a football fan, CFL or NFL, this really is probably a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Well, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, we're, I don't think we'll ever see an NFL preseason game in Winnipeg ever again. I might be wrong. Maybe uh, Wade can turn this into an annual thing, although I doubt that. Uh, and the way the NFL is talking, they're going to cut down from four to two preseason games if they can anyway. So, yeah, this is... This is a unique event and one we'll probably never see again. But I'll tell you what, Bob, tonight I'm excited about the Bombers and Riders, and we'll be listening. Okay, thanks, Hal. Thank you, Bob. Carolyn Klassen is here from Conexus Counseling, conexuscounseling.ca. It's the 75th anniversary today, Carolyn, as you know, of D-Day, a pretty momentous day. And uh, we've been hearing stories all this week, really, about Winnipeggers and Manitobans mm. with connections to that uh, very important day, a, a day that, you know, has led to our, our freedom. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on D-Day and talking about it and, and telling these stories in some cases because these veterans, you know, from World War II, uh, there aren't many of them left anymore and the importance of, of them talking because I think for many years a lot of them didn't and now some are going, I better talk now. Right. Well, and very often when people experience such significant trauma as being in a war, often one of the ways that they cope is by pushing those stories down in a way. And it's, I think, often a gift that they can give to themselves when they find out that those stories are valued and that we appreciate them and that we can learn from them. And I know that they are a gift to us, right? Because then we can hear um, the wisdom of what they've learned. And I'm a big believer if we can learn from what other people have done so that we in our world don't create those same sorts of mistakes again, let's do it, right? And uh, there's not going to be very many of these around where there are going to continue to be veterans that were actually there. So I think this, this one's really important. And I think, you know, when you hear about these people that were, what, 18, 19, 20 at the time? 15. There was one this morning. Oh, okay. 15 years old, lied about his age uh, so that he could go and, and fight. And I think, like, I hope that it's a bit of a reality check for people when you picture them sort of running off the boats and, you know, storming the beach because they were fighting against fascism and they wanted to make the world a better place and they wanted to protect people who were being, you know, oppressed in horrible ways in from the Nazis that... I think it's a bit of a reality check for the rest of us when you think, oh, I haven't got very good Wi-Fi signal in this room, right? Like <laughs> that we, we complain about things and it's a, just a bit of a head shake of, oh, like what is really important and what is it, what is really worth fighting for? And, you know, we get our shorts and a knot about things that um, people gave their lives up and would have loved to be able to be upset about and never had the opportunity because of what happened on D-Day. Mm. And so I just think it's a, it's a, it's a reminder for all of us to fight for what's important I was listening to um, Father Gregory Boyle on my on my way in from Gimli. I was listening to, but on my way out, I was listening to an audio book. Okay, you don't have to make <laughs> you don't have to explain yourself. I was listening to an audio book from Father Gregory Boyle, "Tattoos on the Heart," and there's this little quote here which I just think fits for today. And he says, "We stand there with those whose dignity has been denied. We locate ourselves with the powerless and the voiceless. At the edges, we join the easily despised and the readily left out." 
We stand with a demonized so the demonizing will stop. We situate ourselves right next to the disposable so that the day will come when we stop throwing people away. Hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, it, um, you know, Remembrance Day, obviously, we, that's a day to remember and, and appreciate our freedom and, and think about the people who fought so that we have that, that freedom. But this week has been interesting with D-Day because had that not gone the way it went, Mm. What would we have now for a life? How would we be living now, you know? And, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we need to really, what are they called? First world problems, right? We, you know, I can, ah, my Wi-Fi. <laughs> Who cares, right? You know? Yeah, and I think, um, you know, when we had, I remember as an elementary school kid, we would have soldiers come and visit us, um, and the theme they always had is never again, like learn from what we did and why we did it and learn what war taught us so that um, you guys can get in a place and when you grow up, you can create a world where we don't have to do this again because this was, you know, the, the cost was so high to so many of their comrades and some of them, right, as they came in with prosthetics and things like that. So I think we have to recognize that uh, we we pay tribute to their sacrifice by working at creating peace ourselves. Yeah, very well said. Uh, let's talk about vacations here before we run out of time. We talked about burnout a while ago. And uh, as I said, I guess, you know, toward the end of the month, closer to the end of the month, the kids will wrap up school and then people will start taking vacations. And I know you wanted to talk about vacations and burnout, back to our conversation about burnout. And then micro-vacations, which is a term I've never heard of before. Well, micro-cations, actually. Oh, micro-cations, micro-cations right. Not micro-vacations, yes. micro-cations. Yes. Now, this is um, an American study, but the majority, 57% of Americans, did not take a leisure trip longer than four nights in the last year. Wow. Um, and so a micro-cation is defined as a leisure trip that is fewer than five nights. Uh, and part of that is a feeling of I can go on more trips throughout the year. I can spread my vacation out if I take a couple of shorter trips. Mm. Finances are certainly a part of that. Um, but and this connects back to work is thirty-two uh, percent say they prefer to take microcations because it's easier to tie, take time off work for shorter periods. And what we're realizing with regards to burnout is that some people don't even take their vacations, right? Right. They roll them over, they accrue them from year take to year. Take the money, work it through, lose them. Because there's no time, quote unquote, right? Um, and you and I were just talking during the break about how important it is when you leave city limits and you find yourself overlooking the water, it just does something to your spirit, right? You can feel your blood pressure change when mm. you have a chance to get out of your normal a normal environment and go to a place that is different. You get a different perspective on life. You have a chance to just reevaluate what your priorities are. And if you measure up and you kind of go home with fresh vigor and, and enthusiasm and sometimes sort of some resolutions of I'm going to do more of this or less of that. And, and you just get reminded about who you are when you're on vacation. Yeah. So um, t- talk a bit about uh, the importance. So what do you like? Do you like the shorter uh, micro-cations or do you like the idea of I'm out of here for two or three weeks? Well, when I have been, I think, and I've heard people tell me this in the counseling room, is that sometimes when you go away for four or five days, your just body is just starting to relax yeah. at the end of the time. And then you got to go back And then you got to go back, yeah. right? So some people, I think sometimes when I've gone away for like two weeks at a time, you have a chance to forget that you have a world back here yeah. and you can just totally immerse yourself. And there's no, you get, there's enough time where you're not just enjoying the start of the vacation and you're not already dreading the end. You're just mm. in the middle of it. And I think there's something beautiful about that. Mm. 
But I like to, and my life is because I have kids in various parts of the world that do interesting things. I like those micro occasions where you have a chance to go to another city for three or four nights, see a couple of things that are, you go there for an event, but mm-hmm. you also have a chance to just tour the city and so forth. And it, a couple of those throughout the year just gives you a chance to recharge. And, you know, our batteries drain when we're at work all the time and vacations are, you know, we charge up. And I think people in the middle of, you know, the middle of the next project and the deadlines and all of that, they forget about how important and valuable a vacation is, not only to you, but potentially, and that's what we're finding out at burnout, is that you just don't do as good work when you're burnt out. Mm -hmm. And so a vacation may be a way to actually get more done at work. Yeah, it's important. I think think it really is important. You're right. The pressure sometimes is let's, you know, take the money and skip the holiday. But I think it's important that you get that that break, physical and mental break. I For think sure. it's important. Yeah. Carolyn Klassen from Connexus Counseling. Thank you very much. ConnexusCounseling.ca. Joining us on the show now, Aline Chowdhury he is the president of the Winnipeg Transit Union. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Thank you for uh, doing this. I understand the safety shields are starting to be installed on buses. Tell us about this. Yeah, we're quite excited about it. Uh, uh, we've been working on it as a union for uh, the last two years, trying to get, uh, convince the city and the transit that uh, they're very important and it's a safety factor. We needed them, and uh, we had some uh, obstacles uh, along the way for the last two years, but uh, those obstacles were overcome, and we are able to get them, and they should be installed within a year. And the fight, not the fight, I mean, the struggle started a couple of years ago and uh, we had some opposition on the timelines. Uh, Transit thought that it would take about three three to five years. But uh, at the end, with the help of uh, some counselors, uh, we were able to get them uh, approved to be done within one year. So we're quite excited about that. And Aleem, how are your members feeling about this? How are the drivers feeling? Do they feel like this is going to make them much more secure on the job? Uh, yes, I, I think, you know, the security factor, I mean, it uh, gives you not only uh, mentally but also physical security. But I think it's a little bit uh, difficult to get used to to start with because it's uh, if you feel more confined. But I think it's over time people will overcome that and uh, our operators will overcome that and then they'll be able to uh, appreciate the safety factor of it. And I think it's going to reduce the uh, assaults on operators uh, by quite a bit. I mean, you know, I can't give you a number because I'll be just guessing, but uh, I, I do believe that it'll be a pretty high number. As it is right now, when somebody gets assaulted, uh, there's uh, investigation. I'm not investigation. There's a, a committee that looks at the assault itself and and if it could have been prevented, and there's a question in there, and it asks, like, could this have been prevented And it with the safety shields? And it's uh, majority of the time it says yes. I got to ask you, you know, I, I don't take a bus every day, but when I am on the bus, it's kind of nice getting on and saying hi to the driver, and the driver says hi to you. Will this change the relationship, do you think, between the driver and the passengers on the bus? I, I don't believe so. I think, you know, uh, that will still be there. I mean, like, you know, uh, all our operators are very good at the public, uh, with the public, and they enjoy dealing with the public. And I, there's still an opening there. It, this is just to give you a little bit of an idea. It just basically cuts off the, if anybody was to get at the operator, they would have to make an extra effort to do it. It makes it a little bit more difficult, and I think that should be a deterrent that will uh, decrease the assaults on operators because a lot of the assaults are taking place the last second when somebody's about to get off the bus. So, you know, there's a quick uh, punch or something like that. Or, so hopefully that, that will take, a, take that away. 
Well, I've got you. Uh, how are contract talks going? Can you give us an update? Uh, the city had asked uh, is asking for a conciliator. They have applied for it uh, to the province, and uh, uh, there's one appointed, and we haven't been contacted yet. I mean, we did get a letter, uh, but we haven't been contacted yet as to when the meetings will be. So it will proceed then with a conciliator? Yes, I'll be honest with you, we're not uh, very hopeful at this point, uh, given the fact that we're so far apart. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're willing to try anything, and we want to get down to uh, a fair deal for everybody. And uh, most of all, we want to do not want to uh, uh, disturb the, the service out there. We want to keep our uh, riders, uh, to get them to where they need to go each and every day to work and uh, to their appointments. And is your latest job action, this ban on voluntary overtime, is that having any impact at all for either your members or for transit? Not that I've heard of lately, I mean, to be honest with you. It's only been around for about a week now, and uh, we plan to continue it until uh, such time as we come up to an agreement. Mr. Chowdhury, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.